Welcome back, guys. As always, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we got a really cool episode with a really cool topic with, I'm just going to say it again, a really cool girl named Bridget. So quick thing, though, new trend. We got some shout outs. Just want to shout out Surge's CrossFit, our go-to sponsor when it comes to fitness. If you're looking for a new fitness that's not a craze, it's a lifestyle, try CrossFit. They are an official CrossFit affiliate gym. Um, and if you're too nervous, Saturdays and Wednesdays, it's bring a friend day. So come on through. Bring your friend, try something new, and just forewarning, you're going to be addicted. It's a hell of a workout. It changes your life, and you're going to remember it the next day because it was fun, but two, you're just going to be sore getting out of bed. And after you're done with that workout, you deserve a great meal and also delicious beer, and I'm talking about Mad Duck. Um, a big shout-out to them. They have two locations, um, Willow and Herndon. You can find them there, and that's a little more intimate location. It's also um, the first location, so if you want to a little nostalgia feel, go there. But if you want to go check out the brewery, the bigger restaurant, that's going to be the Campus Point right by Fresno State. Um Go in there, have some of their own crafted beer there, and they also have some of your other favorite local crafts on tap, along with some of the freaking best food in town. I highly suggest the Pub Burger. But then um, if you take in any type of growler, they serve growlers there. On Saturdays, you can get those for just $12. And once again, that's 64 ounces of beer. So you're set for the week or just a really fun night. Um, and after you eat that and you still have room left in the tank, go visit our good friends at Ampersand Ice Cream down in the amazing Tower District. They are on the corners of Echo and Weldon. They're going to be right next to our other homies, Quesadilla Gorilla. Um, Shouts out. But go and have some of the best ice cream that you'll ever have in your life. Not just here in Fresno, but anywhere. I'll put it up against anyone. Um, all natural flavors. They have new flavors each month. Uh, my personal favorite is the honeycomb. Every time I have family coming to town, they're taking pints home because you can't get it anywhere else. Um, but go check them out. Say hi. Um, super friendly. Jeff and Amelia, they were actually on our show before. You can hear their story. But big shout out to them. And uh, you just, I would suggest get at least three scoops because you're going to eat it all. If you love yourself, that is. If you don't, then limit yourself. Yeah. But other than that, Hope you guys enjoy the show and uh, let us know what you think. I love you, man. I love you too, bud. I love you, dude. I love you, bro, Montana. I love you, Holmes. I love you, Broseph Quiggles. I love you, Machacha. I love you, Tico Brohe. Welcome, everyone. This is the second episode of Season 2. Episode 13. Oh, it is 13. Wow. 13, man. Time to be alive. Yeah, we don't mess around. Um, this is Preston. Across from me, as always, is Ramon. Go ahead and say, let's throw the Mahmood in there. I almost did it, and I and I hesitated. I almost did the, are you in the mood for Mahmood? Exactly. Don't forget that. That's the slogan. And then next to us today is our very lovely guest, Bridget Murawski. Hey, guys. And you are going to hear more from her later because she is up to some awesome stuff. But first, we have the quesadilla question. Take it away. Quesadilla question of the day. First off, just got a shout out to our homies at Quesadilla Gorilla. Three locations, three different opportunities, essentially. You might as well hit all three in the day because if you mention that you listen to this podcast, that's 10% off. $10 order, make that 9 bucks. That's I'm up to it. you. I'm about it. Anyway, quesadilla question of the episode. And this is for everybody in the room, all three of us. You're at the gas station on a road trip. Money is not an option. Okay. You're staring at the fridge, and you're just looking for water. What brand are you getting? Ooh. 
Do you want to go and first? do not pretend yeah. like there's a difference in the water? Okay, there I is. Know. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> if you say Arrowhead, then that's when the show ends. Does it have to be plain water? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. If it has water in the name, I'm okay. Okay, I would get um, harmless coconut water. Ooh. Have you had that? No, I do haven't. I don't know what that is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how would you? Coconut water is just. No, it's I know. A drink coconut- of the gods. And it has magical powers. I know you knew what coconut water was. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being a I'm punk. Like the harmless. <laughs> Where does the harmless come from? Is that yeah. a brand? Um, it is a brand. And they I, don't hurt the coconuts? Yeah, it has something okay. to do with the way that they're harvested. I'm not 100% sure. It's pink. The water is pink. Oh. Um, it's pricey, though. So you said money's not an option. Exactly. So yeah. That's no. why I would go with that. Um, it's not something I would buy every day, but treat yourself. I, exactly. And that's what you get to do on vacation. <laughs> What is it, Preston? For sure not going for Arrowhead. That's like the last. Okay, good. I'm glad. Um, I think my go-to is Aquafina. Okay. Regardless. Classic. Well, I guess. Uh, never mind. No, you already no. said it, so people understand who you are. I get it. You You're said a simple guy. money wasn't an option. For sure the Fiji then. Yeah, You're I was going to go say, Fiji why then? don't you do an upgrade? Yeah. The Voss. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. You were going to say oh, Voss? Voss I'm a big water. time packaging person. If it's displayed <sighs> and presented to me properly. That bottle is beautiful. I am in. And the fact that there's plastic Voss bottles is like you're playing yourself. You either go glass or you just go get something else. <laughs> and so if I have an opportunity to get Voss, it doesn't fit any any cup holder. And it's because mm. it's, too, it's too thin. But yeah. I'm okay with it. I'll hold on to it and drive one handed if I have to. What a good question. I didn't uh, know what question. you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and if I just can't have glass for whatever reason, then I'm going to go with the smart water. But it has to be the one with the like the sports top. You know, Not you the pop screw it up. top. Not the screw top. No. And I kind of I like convenience. So proper packaging and convenience, yeah. that's how you win me over. I'm opposite. If I use a squeeze, I'm always making a mess somehow. Like taking like the little strip off the ring around, like... I can't do it. It's too oh, much. Okay. Yeah. So you I just like the simplicity. Simplistic the screw, screw I don't think that's the bottle's fault. I think that's the user, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so our guest today. Honestly, I intentionally did not do much research. I wanted to kind of get this firsthand. Um, if currently, where you're at right now, because I know you have an interesting past, but currently, right now, what is it that you tell people that you're doing? So I guess my technical title is Creative Director of Baz Brothers Unlimited. And what Baz Brothers Unlimited is, is a wholesale vintage clothing supplier. So a lot of people, I guess, kind of get confused on the um, the uh, the wholesale element of vintage. But basically what we do is we supply other businesses with vintage clothing. So we're not a retail store. We're not open to the public. We're doing it in a business-to-business sense. And you're, is that located in Fresno? It is in Fresno. I see. I didn't even know that thing existed. Yeah. So that's, that's probably kind of how we like it. I think that's the point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's your. Approach. I mean, if we were trying to be open to the public, we would. But you know, we're working in a different sense. So, how big is this place? Um, our warehouse is one hundred thousand square feet. So it's it's huge. We also have a warehouse in Los Angeles, but it's much smaller. Um, it's in the arts district in this kind of redone industrial loft space. It's beautiful, but it's maybe a tenth of the size of the one in Fresno. 
So are you allowed to say the location of the one here? Or is it like top secret? <laughs> I, I would prefer not to. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Dang. If you could stop prying, that'd be great, man. I'm uncomfortable. Well, because I'm sure people would like show up and try to. Yeah. No. And I mean, know. it's not like we want to be rude about it, but we have a lot going on and we're processing orders that are in the, you know, thousand to 10,000 piece range and we're busy. So. Yeah. So what um, examples of some buyers from you guys? So, I mean, number one would be Urban Outfitters, which is kind of how I got to be here and got to the job that I have now. Um, I think I can probably mention most except for one okay. um, because it's pretty high profile. Gotcha. Um, and I was asked not to mention them. So it's the Kardashian family. So got on that. No. Gossip yeah. Kardashians. <laughs> Now you know. She, she's oh. laughing, but you guys, she's looking at us nodding. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we oh, see a red man. laser on her forehead. <laughs> no, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, Urban Outfitters, and we work with their domestic um, side. And when I say Urban Outfitters, what I mean is URBN. So it's a, it's a kind of like an umbrella company. So there's anthropology, free yeah. people. Yeah terrain and urban outfitters themselves and we've worked with all facets of the brand um a few other big ones would be reformation uh brandy melville redone those are like our three other big clients i guess you could say um and then i i should point out that while we work with these big companies we're also working with mid-sized companies down to small boutiques. People come from Oakland, San Francisco, LA, even some local people. So going back to kind of what you said about being open to the public or whatever, giving out the address, like ultimately what we want people coming is to have a tax ID to prove that, you know, they are able to resell it yeah and it's all kosher okay were you in town when urban was here i wasn't um it's so funny whenever i tell people my story that's like one of the first things they say is there was an urban outfitters here so sad that they're gone yeah it was at the mall yeah, yeah. it's where i think Alta is now it was a dope building too it, yeah. they had a ping pong table in there at one point and that was just one of the coolest things to me because if I was ever at the mall, I would just go in and play ping pong. Was it? That is really cool because I don't think I've been in any that have a ping pong table. But um, was it an outlet store or was it a regular store? It started store? out as a regular one. Okay. But to, oh, as an outsider's it. perspective, I think it had to become an outlet store and then that didn't work out either. Oh. And then boom. That's shocking to me. me t- yeah, it's the same. I don't, yeah. I mean, I think that they, the clientele is here for I, it. Totally, that's what I think. And so, I mean, but what do I know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm know. just a passerby. I'd I like just I said, like to I, play ping pong. I, I wasn't here, and whenever people bring it up to me, I'm just always kind of just you know surprised that it didn't work. What so what led you to this? Because you had said that it kind of explains your tie-in to the current role you have. Yeah, so I worked for Urban Outfitters. Um, I was part of Urban Renewal, which is like the vintage aspect of the brand. Mm. Um, it's a very small piece of the company itself. It's kind of like the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake, yeah. if you get what I'm saying. Gotcha. So um, more kind of like fluff. But one of the first things they see, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I look at. Well, the founder of the company, um, when he started and had his first store, Vintage was a part of that. So for him, it's kind of always been... You know, whether it's a big money maker or not, it's more about, you know, that it adds character and it complements what else is in the store, basically. So um, I was I was on the buying team for Urban Renewal at the Urban Outfitters headquarters in Philadelphia. Um, And then my boss was one of my vendors. Um, So that's how we met each other. 
And, you know, the offer was always kind of out there. Like, if you ever want a change, you know, we'd love to have you on board, whether it be in, you know, Los Angeles or in Fresno. Um, You know, and for a long time, it wasn't the right time. And then it was. And that's kind of, you know, how I got here. Yeah. So. What led you to the whole Urban Outfitters? Did you have a background in fashion or? I don't have a degree in fashion. I used to be a teacher, so I have my degree in education. Um, But I've always loved fashion, and I've been going to thrift stores for a really long time. Like, it's something I used to do just for fun with my dad. And I think, for me, it was more a matter of, like, self-education over time. Um, So after teaching, after I walked away from teaching, I kind of did a lot of small fashion jobs. Um, Mm. I did a lot of personal styling so just people like say a lawyer who's not really sure how to put themselves together would hire me and I'd go shopping for them or I would like do overhauls on people's closets stuff like that um then I ended up doing some more like professional scale styling where I would do a fashion show at a mall with like Mm -hmm. a stylist that came in from LA um and I also did some styling for dockers they did like um this like I don't know what you would call it. They did like a tour in an airstream and it was like myself and the editor of GQ, like were like the stylist for the event. So I was doing styling. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that like I couldn't really sew and I didn't feel like design was like the right path for me. So for a while I thought it was styling. Um, you know, for a while, I think I kind of just felt like a little lost because I knew it was a part of my life and that I wanted to give it a go, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So um, I had applied for her like a production assistant job on a movie Ooh. that was being made in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pennsylvania actually offers like big um, credits to people who make their movies within oh. the state. Is it Rocky Seven? <laughs> Again, she's and doing the seven. laughing and nod thing. <laughs> Any of the Rocky movies, really. Got them. Oh, are they on it's like seven Land now? Before, it's like Land Before Time. It's just going to keep going. Technically, they're on the Creed movies, which are Rocky movies. He, as long so. as he's still in it, it's a Rocky movie. Yeah. And he will be a hologram, I'm convinced. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it was not Rocky Seven. Okay. Um, it was uh, a movie. I honestly, they changed the name after I met with the um, the wardrobe people. So was I actually, it a big movie? Like was it? Like, no, it was more indie. But Richard cool. Gere was in it. Oh, so they like, I went. <laughs> wow. I went to the interview and they opened up like these files and they were like this. Um, they were trying to tell me he wasn't in and not wasn't but they didn't want to give away who the everything's in secret they yeah, call exactly. something else yeah yeah so they open up these files and it's like all these hand sketches and they were like calvin klein's drawings for his wardrobe and they were like mr gear i was like mr gear i'm like richard gears in this movie so um i basically felt like i had the job you know like i left super confident and then the next day they called me and they were like we're really sorry like we want someone on the team that can sew um, which I can't do. I mean, I can hand stitch, but like I can't use a sewing machine. They wanted someone who could actually like make a pattern and make a garment. And I just knew I couldn't do that. So I was super sad. Um, I went on Urban Outfitters website and they had the job that I ultimately got posted. Um, mm. And I just took a chance. Okay. So that's kind of how I ended up there. And then that just sort of got you into the whole like the vintage side of things. And then you mm-hmm. met your current employer. Correct. Um, 
My my question is the classification of um, vintage to I me to Google it. is very. Um, I'm trying to figure out the word to describe it, but it's kind of along the phrase that like the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I feel like is there a certain standard for what's considered vintage, or is that really it's is it just another style? So most people. Because it's ever evolving, right? It's like ever what we're evolving. wearing today is eventually going to be considered vintage, or is that my misunderstanding? Well, I don't think most of our clothes are going to last that long because they're not made well. But... So <laughs> wait, so vintage is something that isn't okay. See, this is how I interpret it. I vintage you're saying is going to be it's physically that clothing, that piece of clothing from a long time ago different versus era. something that's made to look like something from a different era. So true vintage okay. is there something. It is. That was made in a different era and still exists today. So today there's a lot of companies who make vintage-inspired goods. Got it. So, and they can replicate them really well. Levi's does it. Yeah. I mean, and they're they're using, like, they're copying their old labels that were in the clothes, and they're doing a really good job of it. Um, But that's vintage-inspired. That's not... Got it. That's not vintage-vintage. So the... I think the true definition, I know the Vintage Fashion Guild of America, I know that sounds silly, but it exists. And it's actually a really good resource I recommend if people want to learn about vintage. Um, I believe they say 20 years or older. And, oh, okay. But that's like young vintage. That's wild to me that 98 would be considered I know, vintage. I know. But you know what? The 90s stuff is super hot right now. And it would make sense though that that's considered vintage because that's totally what I'm seeing. Like what I remember, go- and it's funny. That urban's the big topic right now because I remember I was just in where what urban was it? I think it was slow. Um, mm-hmm. My girlfriend and I, and everything in the guys section, it just took me back to growing up in my house and yeah. seeing my dad's outfits. Yeah, yeah. And it was just the weirdest thing ever. I was like, every single thing I swear my dad already owned. And knowing him, he keeps everything. So I was like, I don't even need to buy anything today. Yeah, go right your dad. And if any of this clothes. stuff looks cool to me, I can go home and yeah. say, I'm going to go upstairs real quick, Dad. Just don't mind me. Yeah. But yeah. that's so, that's okay. So there's an actual number to it. Okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, some people might disagree with that number. You know, I'm sure it's up for debate among some people might say, okay, 70s and back is true vintage. It's old vintage. Um, I feel like there's like subgenres of vintage. Of and some like, people totally. don't have a microphone in front of them right now, so it's your opinion that matters. Exactly. Yeah. So I would say because I, you know, I'm getting these requests at work. I'm getting like trend packets from people. I see what people want to buy. You know, to me, yeah, the '90s are vintage, and I think as you get older, it just gets harder to accept. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is. You know, because like, and I've I dealt with that because um, I used to sell vintage on the side, just kind of like a side hustle. And I would set up at like flea markets, whatever. And I'd have these women come and they'd be like, this is vintage, you know, kind of almost offended. And I wasn't trying to offend anyone, mm-hmm. but I just kind of had to explain to them like, yes, this is from this year. So therefore it would be considered vintage like i had the same thing in my closet no i can't tell you how many times that happened like yeah. someone would say i wore that for like my eighth grade picture you know and I'm like, oh god yeah <laughs> i don't, don't want to make anyone mad yeah you're like, this is not what the point of this is no no not at all so um you touched on you were once a teacher yes um that's an established career once you're in it to my understanding you know if by choice you that's your set for life essentially as in like unless you really royally just mess up you're out it probably it had to be a big decision to be like i'm gonna you know step out of this and not you know have this cemented 
future anymore. What kind of led up to that decision? And was it a hard decision to just, you know, walk away from that? It was. Um, and actually, the the burnout rate for teachers is pretty bad. Oh, I believe it. It's it's really bad. Like, a lot of people are lucky if they last five years nowadays. Sometimes, like, it's like two years. And I'm sure that's changed because I remember going to school and, like, having a lot older teachers. Yeah. And, like, they well, Yeah, you're it. seeing now, like, people you went to high school with that are becoming teachers and you're like... Well, at least me, like people I went to high school with are becoming becoming teachers now. And you're thinking, I don't remember when I had, you know, my teacher, I don't think they were the type. Did they do this when they weren't in school on weekends? Like seeing, you know, they're posting in their classroom, but then two days later they're posting out at the bar. And I'm like, was my teacher doing this? And so you're right. Like back when, uh, you know, you were in school, you had older teachers and they were just, it's, it's a different profession. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's changed a lot. Um, I did my student teaching at a really great school. I love my kids. And what happened was when I was doing my, I don't know if you guys call it student teaching out here. Yeah. You do? Okay. I know I've heard some people call it like practicum teaching, whatever. Um, one of the teachers in the department um, decided to just like, she was on a sabbatical and then she was just kind of like, peace out. Like I'm on burnout. I'm, I'm good. She'd been doing it like her whole life and uh-huh. she was amazing. So whatever. I mean, I guess well deserved for her. So what happened was my um, cooperating teacher was like, well, I'm going to take over her classes and you can stay on. Like, we want you to stay on. You just have to do like a formal interview um, for the second half of the year. So I ended up getting hired as a long term sub. Um, But unfortunately, that year in Pennsylvania, there were a ton of budget cuts Mm. for teachers, you know, for like education in general. Um, So I was the low girl on the totem pole. And it's not that I got fired. I finished the year, but I just wasn't brought back because they didn't have the money to do so. And I don't think they hired anyone again in that department for like four years. Um, so after that I went to a, um, inner city school in Delaware that was in really bad shape. And, um, I think I was just so desperate to teach and have a job that I didn't think about it much before I went. And I ended up quitting after like two months. It was brutal. It was really bad. I don't think people realize how rough it is in, I I don't want to say a bad district, but even as simple as a bad school, like until you see it firsthand, I don't think people have any idea Mm, um, what people here in our very own country are living like. Yeah. And it's just teachers see it firsthand. My mom was in education. So the story she'd tell me, one, I'd be like, these types of drugs existed on a campus I went to. Like it always blew my mind because, you know, we just didn't associate with that crowd. And she'll tell me what people are showing up to school with. And then two, the home lives. The home lives just yeah. blow my mind. I know. And I, I saw that a lot in, in this the second school that I was at. And some of the things that kids would tell me, it would just like break your heart. You don't you want know? to believe it. No. Because you're like, I didn't live not. anything close to this. Like, how is this a reality? Yeah. And that's why I really am one of the firm believers in that ed- educators are grossly underpaid. Oh, 100%. It's just insane yeah. to me. So then when you were teaching um, to bring it back to like the vintage were you doing anything while you're teaching to like feed that creativity like with fashion yeah, or i was um i was blogging i used to have a blog and i was also writing for so did her mom. <laughs> i do have a blog it's out there yeah that's great it's, wait still or no i don't still oh. update it there was a probably a i don't maybe i'll call it a summer mm-hmm. where six months where i just posted like once a week and it was just my outlet for anything I thought it was funny and I would just go write for it. Sometimes it'd be a short story, uh, like a paragraph long. Other times it could be like three. Um, 
one there was one whole paragraph about how versatile the word fuck was and it just i used it as many different ways you can in a sentence and it was just i got it off my system and there we go and so it exists so you had a blog. <laughs> Sorry. <Yes>. No, <laughs> no, that's okay. I had a blog and I also wrote on um, for an online magazine that was kind of it was based out of Washington DC, but it was all about fashion and I would get um kind of like a choice of like five topics a week to write about and I could like pick like two and I'd write articles about mm-hmm. them. So I was doing more more in like a writing sense, but because, you know, teaching is such a commitment, it's not a nine to five. Mm-hmm. It's like a twenty four seven basically. Um, I didn't have a ton of time to dedicate to much other than that, but at least I had some sort of outlet. So, um, after I, I quit that job, I was just kind of like, all right, I guess if I'm going to do this fashion thing, it's now or never might as well do it now and give it a shot. So I was doing like odd jobs on the side, um, to pay the bills. And then I was also doing, like I said, like the styling, um, and just other like random little stuff. Like doing so, the, like the closet makeup. Yeah, like I mean, that. yeah, and the nice thing about those sorts of jobs were it was it was pretty lucrative because these people like had the money to spend, you know, on yeah. stuff like that. So, and they needed the help, and they were willing to, you know, spend money to look better, feel better, yeah. have a nicer closet, whatever. So, it helped me pay the bills. Um, yeah. But yeah, to get back to where you are now and mm-hmm. what you do. Um, it was yesterday, two days ago, when you posted a picture. I believe it was at your work. Mm-hmm. And it was the big old box or whatever you want to call it. And it was just filled with all the Carhartt Oh, the, cart, the Carhartt cart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so many questions that came to my mind that I'm sure came to a bunch of others. First off, where does all that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, where does it go right after? And then, like, okay, with all that stuff... Um, do you make it, is there a way to produce like mass quantities amount or is, is like vintage obviously like very special and like there's not, there's only a limited quality of it. Oh, do you want to start with where does it come yeah, from? Yeah, I asked I you guess. like five questions. Yeah, so no, 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 no. I, just, I want to make sure I don't miss one. Yeah, so um, where does it come from? So when so that big old box that. of Carhartt, whatever, yeah. jackets. I like the scent, the Carhartt cart. Carhartt cart, yeah. Um, so I'm not too involved with the sourcing aspect of what I do. Okay. My bosses have been doing it for 20 over 20 years now. So they have pretty strong connections. And it's a very small group of people in the vintage world and they're the they're the good guys. Like I've worked with a lot of people and I can tell you they're the good guys and I'm not saying that just because I work for them. I'm saying it because it's true. Um so I think their good reputation has served them well over time and still does. Um, but I can tell you that we get stuff from all over the world. Yeah. I mean, it's probably Antarctica is probably the only continent we haven't gotten stuff from. It's an untapped industry. I don't know yeah. why people hate. It might be some like Eskimo. That was the Carhartt, right? That's yeah. That was, that that's in. actually where the Carhartt's from. Alert. Oh but my like, God. <laughs> Goodwill's like, what? where does like, they just raid yard sales? Like, I don't. No, I mean, it's... Oh, I get what you're asking. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this old vintage stuff. So, yeah. obviously, it's been around a while. Who are they <laughs> buying? I'm doing my mind. It's just like... So, there's people that... There, so, there's places that exist that are called rag houses. Um, and sometimes people like to call where I work a rag house. But that's not really 
we're not really a rag house in a true sense. Yeah. Because there are rag houses that have people that will pull vintage. They're just getting they're getting rags, they're getting textiles, they're getting bedding, they're getting toys, they're getting soft goods, basically. Yeah. Let's just call it that. Um, and they might have someone who is the vintage person and they're pulling, but then they're selling that off like by the pound. And that's like a resource where we can get stuff from. Yeah. You know, I mean, like like I said. We get it from all over the place. I'm not super involved in it. Gotcha. But a lot of times when it's coming in, it's coming in in um, bales. So mm. have you ever used a baler? Like, do you know what a baler is? Mm-hmm. It no. literally, like, just, I mean, most people use it for cardboard. I but it, it just, like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you're talking about. You know, like, compresses things. So, like, clothing will come in a bale. It'll come on pallets. It'll come in a, a really big box. Like, like we call them, we denim. call them a gaylord. It's like yeah. a huge box essentially um you know and there's times when like to get the good deal you buy it and sometimes you're not keeping some like 75 percent of it's garbage but there might be one thing in that you know shipment that might be worth x amount of dollars and it just pays for everything and then pays for that's crazy you know what i mean it's like a treasure hunt it really is and that's like that take it's kind of comes full circle because I feel like the original inspiration is the thrifting experience. Yeah. Which in a way, that's what thrifting is to the person who's really doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't know what you're going to find when you walk into a thrift store. And I've done it enough in my lifetime to know some days you go in and you leave kind of like, oh, man, that sucks. I didn't find anything. Yeah. And some days you leave and you're like on cloud nine. You wish you, you had more something. hands. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, will, I can't believe all these cool things I found um, all on the same day. What's your favorite thrift store in town? Well, actually, how long have you lived here? Have you lived here long enough to? I've been here. No? I've been here. Let's see, two, a little over two years. Um, I haven't been to too many in town, honestly. Like, if if you did what I did every day, like you don't really <laughs> say. feel That's the like need not, to yeah. go. Okay, I get that. Um, I actually, because I have such good access to vintage at work. Um, I spend more time kind of like looking for vintage housewares. Like that's just kind of my thing okay, gotcha. versus versus the clothing. Um, a little work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Cause I mean, when I was at Urban, going to a thrift store on the weekend was like a fun like thing to do. Even though I was working with vintage there, it was a little bit different because that was like more of a desk job. Yeah. This, I'm walking around a hundred hundred thousand square foot warehouse filled with it. Um, so it's kind of like, eh. Do I want to like spend the little bit of free time that I have spending more time around? What, I mean, obviously, I love what I do. I have a passion for it. But sometimes you need like a little, yeah. <laughs> need a little change of scenery. So. Um, so then whenever, like, is there a process of, so like, say you find um, whatever you get this big old shipment and you find the whatever it is that you find, sending it to the Urban Outfitters, whatever business, what's. What's that process like? Is there like, how do you make it sellable? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, A lot of times we will like get emails from them or calls or texts or whatever, and they'll tell us what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's things we have, sometimes we don't. So that's like when my boss has to put his feelers out and see like, what can I get in this vein that, you know, similar to what they want or whatever. Um, So... If there's something that they want that we have or something that we have that they think they might want, you know, it can go both ways. Um, typically, we'll send them a sample 
kind of like tag it with like quantity, price, sizing. And once they get it, they ultimately like they have meetings there. So for me, it's nice because I've been on both ends now. So I know how their process works. Um, and they kind of have to go through like a finalization process. They can't just say, oh, I love this. I'm going to take a thousand units of it. Like they have a buy plan, they have a budget. So they have Mm. to figure out, okay, I have X amount of dollars for this month. What can I bring in and make sure they don't go over budget? Like buying is actually, I think a lot of people go into it thinking, oh, it's like, this ultra glamorous fun job and it is fun and it can be glamorous, but at the same time it's a lot of math and it's a lot of planning and organization. So yeah, it's not just like, Oh, I like that. We'll take it. Yeah. No, you really have to think about it and you're kind of like gambling in a way because so what if like, nobody buys it? Yeah. And that's happened to it. That happened to us plenty of times, like within my um, department where we thought, Oh man, this thing's the best. Everyone's going to love it. And then no one buys it. So then it ends up going to markdown and you're, you know, ultimately not making money on it, losing money. So, yeah. So, I mean, realistically, it all kind of just starts with a sample. They physically need to see it to see if it's something that they want to proceed with. A lot of times they like to put it on their fit model um, to see how it looks on her. Mm. So, you know, sometimes clothing has no hanger appeal and then you put it on and it looks great. Totally. And then sometimes it looks great and then you put it on and it looks like garbage. So that's important for them too is to kind of like take it, put it on her and see how it looks. Gotcha. That makes sense. Moving forward for you, um, I know that I think I've heard you mention it. Um, you have a little bit of something that you want to be working on in regards to that, maybe like a potential podcast. Yes. Like with that and anything else, like what are your future plans? Where are you trying to grow with this? Um, just in the podcast sense, I think anything, just what's your future hold, you know, I'm kind of right now, I'm just enjoying working somewhere where I'm really, really happy. Um, it's probably one of the first times in my life that I'm at a job and I'm not like, okay, what's next? Got it. Okay. That's a good, that's a good feeling. It's a really great feeling. Um, you know, urban was a great stepping stone for me, but I, I knew pretty early on in the game that it wasn't for me for my entire life, if yeah. that makes sense. You know, I, 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 and I appreciate the experience that I had there, but I just, I knew I'm not going to be here forever. So in terms of like my overall career, I'm very happy with where I am right now. And I just want to continue growing the company. I think we have so much to offer. Um, I don't know what it could morph into differently than what it is now. Um, but I just, I'd like to see more growth in general. So I think that would be a nice long-term goal. I don't really have like any specific ones. Like I said, it's just so nice loving what I do and being happy. It's almost like when you encounter it, you're like, you don't know what to do. Yeah. Because you aren't really ready for it. Because all you've experienced is, okay, I want to get out of here. Okay, I want to yeah. get out of here. Now like what's here, the escape plan? And now you're here and you're like, wait, this is weird. Something, something's yeah, going to happen Yeah, I know, like soon. what's something's the catch? Yeah. Well, one's going to come out from a door and like make me have a bad day to do, but it never happens. Yeah. Um, I get it. I get what you're saying. Definitely. So I'm, I'm happy to be there, but no, I think, I think that in terms of vintage, there really aren't many podcasts out there that cover it as a topic. There are some really great fashion podcasts, um, that cover it kind of as a broad, you know, spectrum of things and that they do touch upon vintage at times or fashion history. Um, but you know, when I go on to like, for example, like the Apple podcast app and type in vintage, like there really 
There's really nothing. So there's going to be you. Yeah, there's going to be me. <laughs> it's got to start with something, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't really, I mean, I don't have an idea of what I would call it yet, but I have an idea of kind of like what I'd want to talk about. Um, but it's all kind of still up in the air, but I, I'm happy that I want to do it and being brave and trying something new. Yeah. But, you know, Preston gave me a um, kind of a rundown of all the... The one-on-one little class. tutorial. Yeah, before we here, before so. we started recording, a little so. education. Yeah, if you want to enroll in the "I Love You Man" one-on-one uh, class, yeah, you should start school. Preston <laughs> teaches whenever you are free. Yeah, he will uh, do whatever he can to be available for you. Gosh, um, what was we didn't drop your uh, Instagram in the beginning? What is your Instagram I love, handle? I love it. Um, so it's basic bougie Bridget. <laughs> I like that. See, honestly, that itself could be a podcast well the same approach obviously i don't know if you want to use your name or not but the whole bbb yeah i like big time movement i like the bbb honestly when i made the name i did not intend for it to be i think kind of what it's become because like i've had some people no people know because i've had people be like oh you're basic bougie bridge honestly (laughs) it might be something you want to do then i think you should and drop an album i mean brand Dude, it's gonna blow you up. You open God. up a company, you turn to just add brigade at the end. Basic, I can't even say it. Basic, Basic bougie, bougie, Bridget brigade. That you know that could be that could be our vocal exercise before we go on air. Basic bougie Bridget. <laughs> and then try and throw brigade at the end. I can't brigade. even do it without focusing. But you hang out with cool people because you hang out with people like Ellie, who was on our first oh, episode. Oh yes, Ellie. Um, Ellie. And then also on our last episode, the one before this. Um, we had Michelle, who mm-hmm. is the creator of the UR Fresno, and you are like doing the whole fashion side of that magazine, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I'm contribu- contributing um, quarterly to UR Fresno. Um, the first issue, Michelle and I kind of agreed that it would be good for me to like introduce myself, which I think was like a really good way to start because yeah. I wanted people to like hear my story, so they're not like, okay, why this girl's you know talking about fashion style, whatever. Um, how does she know about all that? So I kind of wanted to introduce myself. Yeah. I'm get rid of the haters before the haters present uh, themselves. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could, no, I get what you're saying. Someone's like, oh, why her? I don't even know who she is. Yeah, I know. I mean, people are like that. Like, well, what does this girl know? Yeah. Um, and then so. they realize basic bougie Bridget. <laughs> oh, the legend. Yeah. Oh, damn, that's her? Oh, fuck. Like that. I yeah. get it. Going down in history. So, <laughs> you've been in Fresno two years now. Mm-hmm. You came from Philly. Yeah. Do you see the potential in Fresno? What has your experience been like here from like that outsider? Because everybody we've had on has either been here for a long period of time, grew up here, oh, left, like came transplants. back. Transplants. Yeah. Like boomerangs, so we like to call them. And what do you miss from Philadelphia, too? The cheesesteak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, listen, Sorry. guys. I'm gonna, this is just, I'm telling you right now, I, you can't get a good cheesesteak here. Anywhere I besides there, I feel like. I feel like I've never had a true yeah. cheesesteak. Well, I mean, in, in like surrounding Philadelphia suburbs, Delaware, Maryland, Jersey. You can. You can. But uh, that's just my little cheesesteak. Oh, I believe no. it. It's no. not going to cause any controversy. <laughs> Anyone that, yeah, no. I, you're not going to get any bad feedback on that. Um, wait, what? what so how do you feel about Fresno? Oh, we, yes. We started Sorry. lingering on what Sorry. she missed. And the I said you cheesecake. started talking about food and got me distracted. So <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite thing ever. Food. Um, yeah, so coming from Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia, I think, is probably... I know it's up there. It's one of the largest like metro areas in the United yeah. States. I know it's like top 10. Um, 
So I do. I see a lot of potential in Fresno. I just think it's a matter of people really making it happen and and working hard to make it happen. Because I think you can have all these great ideas about what you want to do here, what you want to do here, this business you want to start, whatever. But it's like a matter of just making it happen and working yeah. hard for it. Have you been able to like notice that difference of like over the past two years you've been here? I think I've seen a difference. I think a lot of new stores have opened up. Um, I, you know, maybe it's because over time I've met more people, but I feel like people have gotten more creative and I'm not saying they weren't creative to start, but I just, I notice more things now, things being more built up. Um, So yeah, I've I've definitely noticed a lot of um, positive change, which I think is good. Because I think Fresno, Fresno gets a pretty bad reputation um i don't know if it's not necessarily bad but like on the east coast people just like don't get it like fresno isn't really unsafe there or like what's in fresno like why did you move to fresno why wouldn't you move to la you know why why wouldn't you move to san francisco or whatever um so I don't know. I try to. Did try you like, to... Google image Fresno before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think up. we had like one cops episode, and that was our reputation at the end. Oh, it's funny because my best friend will call me, and she'll be like, "Bridget, Fresno's on cops." Yes, yeah, see, I told you that's what it is. Yeah. Oh so the most positive oh. thing to come out of here is Derek Carr, and so everyone rides the heck out of that. Um, but you no, know, whenever I talk about Fresno to to people back home you know i try to talk it up the best i can plus i think you know i'm pretty active on social media and they see that i look happy so (laughs) i think that speaks more than anything i could say about the place like if i was in a city that i hated so much i wouldn't look nearly as happy as i do and i'm like my genuine self on my instagram like (laughs) i don't hold back so you know i i like it here I never felt the need to like, oh, I ha- I mean, don't get me wrong. I love San Francisco. I love L.A. Great places. But I'm not the type of person that needs to be in that place to feel some sort of like validation. Yeah. You well, know, I always say the beauty here is how close we are to those places. No, totally. Yeah. And like when I lived in Pennsylvania, I didn't live in Philadelphia. I had actually oh, okay. had like a two hour round trip commute every day, which was Dang. brutal. Um, but I was close to Philly Philly's close to New York. You're close to D.C. You're close to Baltimore. I didn't need to live in like Philadelphia or New York to really appreciate those places. So I kind of like how Fresno is kind of central to nice big cities, the mountains, the beach. It's got it all. Yeah, it really, it really does. I just don't think people know geography. I don't know. Maybe that's like part of the problem. That's very, very true. Geography is a weak subject for many people. No, definitely. (laughs) I can back that up. (laughs) Um, No, it really is. We were out the other night at um, Tioga, Mm -hmm. and there were three of us, and we spent probably 30 minutes collaboratively without using the internet trying to figure out, name all the states. Uh. Yeah, and there was like three. We got, we powered through like 45, and there were like three or five at the very end where we were just like drawing complete Which ones did you struggle with? I don't remember which Ah. ones they were, to be honest. I I was kind of embarrassed from the fact that we just didn't have it on deck like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, David and I were the ones struggling. Kelsey honestly got 49, and I think there was one that we couldn't get together. But yeah, it really makes you realize, damn. Like, no, it's just a I mean, as just like, in our own country. I mean, just as a former teacher, like, that's definitely, there's like statistics behind it that like geography is not just not taught well or i don't i don't know like what the deal is with geography i actually really like it yeah so i don't know i i won the state capital b when i was in second grade Ooh. so maybe i need to like 
tone up that state capital muscle. Did you like remember a song or like a? No, I know some people like learn like there wasn't a, a song state capital song for the like capitals or something. That's the only way I know the preamble. We had a no, we had a song for the states in mm. first grade. Gotcha. We had a song for the states. We didn't have a song for the capitals though. Dude, I suck at capitals. Um, kind of. <laughs> It's all good. Kind of, to, I just to kind of. It's like a summary question. Do you have any advice for anyone that's kind of on the edge of pursuing a maybe not a popular path um, in regards to a career, like a unique passion that they don't know if they could really turn that into something? Whereas I feel like growing up, this specific path that you're on that you've arrived on yeah. is, I feel like something. If someone didn't really have a drive, they wouldn't have chosen it. And so any advice for someone that kind of has that unique road that they're thinking about taking, but can easily talk themselves out of? I think, you know, if you really, really want to do something, you'll find a way. Um, and, you know, you can't, it's, it's hard because I think a lot of people limit themselves um, by their current situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't, be here if I wasn't willing to move across the country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was that was a huge move. Um and it's not something that everyone's willing to do, but I had to accept that okay, I'm I love vintage and it's time for me to move past urban. So now I need to move on with my life. And for me that meant moving to California. Um so I definitely think, you know, don't don't limit yourself to your current situation um, and kind of think outside of the box, you know. Um, it depends, you know, I guess it really depends on what the person is trying to pursue, but you might be able to find opportunities. It might not, like, there might be jobs that you can't necessarily do right away because of your financial situation or you have a ton of student loans, What, whatever, like, you have to pay the bills. So maybe you know, you suck it up and work a full-time job that you don't necessarily like. And in the meantime, find like an internship or something you can do on the weekends to pursue your, your side interests. You know, I think a lot of people like kind of that have to go a unique path. Um, you know, it, it takes time and it's not something that's instantaneous. You know, I, I've always loved fashion. And like I said, after I walked away from teaching, I was like, okay, it's time now or never, but between, you know, that time. And so that was 2011. I didn't start working at urban until 2013. So I had two years there where I was just kind of like, like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? Where, where am I going? Is this really what I want? But I needed those two years to grow. So I think it's like important not to be too hard on yourself and give yourself time to, to figure out, you know, what you really want. Yeah. And, you know, maybe not, not everyone's going to end up going in that direction. There might have been people in similar situation to mine where those two years, it was like, you know what? I don't want to work in fashion. I want to do something else. Yeah. I think we put like way too much pressure on ourselves at a young age to feel like, okay, this is what I need to be doing, or this is what I should be doing because I'm this age and society says that, you know, by this say, age, like, like, especially with social media now, it's, Oh God, so much you pressure. See, you see young people in their early twenties, even like late teenage years, teenagers make it big by yeah. either doing something really good at or doing something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Getting big over it. Yeah. Becoming these 
whether it was Vine, YouTube, whatever, they make millions of dollars of now, and then you show that to millions of high school students, and they reach 21, and like, dude, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I'm life? not like that person, so I must be a failure. Exactly. And that's, like, so heartbreaking. I think patience so is one of the biggest yeah. underrated things. I mean, if you look at your lifespan... And like, especially like how long people live now, like really 40 really isn't that old. Mm -hmm. No, we live in a very uh, shortcut driven world and everyone wants to take the 41 at River Park. (laughs) But sometimes you got to take Blackstone. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to get a lot of all those red lights. You got to hit a lot of lights, but you're going to see some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to learn from that. No, I think that's a really, really good way to put it. Um, You know, and I... I worked hard to get to where I am today. It did not come easily. I mean, believe me, there are days when I'd go to Urban and I'd get there at 7 a.m. and I wouldn't leave until like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. You know, like I put in, I paid my dues. But it makes these days (laughs) that much better, right? Oh, absolutely. And I learned a lot and not just about what I'm working with, you know, in terms of vintage, but I learned a lot about myself. I learned about, you know, my own personal strength, you know, days when I wanted to give up so badly. And I... I chose, I chose not to. And, you know, I'm not saying like fashion is a super serious career because at the end of the day, it's clothing, but I took my career seriously because that's just how I am. Like I've always been, whether it was a student in high school, college, or, you know, even in other jobs, I I took things seriously because that's just the type of person that I am. I didn't want to mess up. Yeah. So I took pride in my work. Besides vintage and, Mm -hmm. um, fashion, is there any other creative outlet? that like lights you up um personally yeah well i love you know like interior decoration i love i love my house i love decorating my house um it's kind of been like a nice creative outlet for me outside of what i do um your instagram is very aesthetically pleasing oh Um, the flow is nice yeah thank you we we talked about something we look for Oh, very requirement. No flow on ours. Very nice compliment. (laughs) We're still searching for ours. (laughs) We're still trying to find it. Yeah, you'll get it. A lot of navy blue. Um. (laughs) A lot of navy blue. Uh, Anyway, though, um, this was a very informative conversation, dude. Yeah, you have some heavy knowledge on us. I feel like that happens every episode, but this is a topic. Did I get too heavy? No. No. Okay. Honestly, yeah, I'm pretty emotional. I don't know if you hear me (laughs) sniffing over here, but. Is that kind of heavy, yeah. I'm really questioning every choice I've made. Well, and this is the first episode that I think we've done where you're not technically like a business owner. Like we've had all these people that like own their own business or start their own like, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But you're just an influential person. And chasing a dream. And that's cool right there. So that's my minimum requirements. Chasing it and living it. Yeah, that don't forget the living part. They put that. Yeah, bio. If you're gonna take Instagram anything bio. away, chasing it and living it. Yeah, if you're gonna chase it, you better live it too. Um, Bridget, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. And uh, I mean, welcome to Fresno. Talking. You've been here a couple of years now. I hope you stay a little longer. Oh, I'm I'm gonna be here a long time. Cool. Basic cool. bougie Bridget. Don't forget, but also don't forget what. To be nice. Oh, I was gonna do it, but <laughs> like uh, I thought you were gonna Instagram? say like, don't forget about the state capital B that, oh, no. that we should have in like five minutes. <laughs> we probably will. No, we'll I wouldn't be able to survive that. Um, <laughs> but like Ramon said, just be nice to everyone, and don't forget if you are nice to someone, you have a cool story, message it to us, um, and yeah, we'll share it on the next episode. Um, peace. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Have a great Bye. day, night. Bye. <laughs>